How you doing law enforcement officers? It's Anthony Bandiero here with Blue to Gold Law Enforcement Training. And today I'm gonna share with you the three golden rules of search and seizure. These three uh, golden rules come from reading thousands of court cases over the last 20 years. And after all, you start seeing a theme of what the courts are looking for. The first golden rule and the most important is the more you articulate why you did something, the more likely you'll be upheld in court. And the reason for this is, first of all, the Fourth Amendment prohibits unreasonable searches and seizures. In other words, if what you did was reasonable, it's lawful. But what is reasonable is, depends on the totality of the circumstances, right? So that means that every fact and circumstance comes into play, right? A, uh, one change in the fact or one change in the circumstances of, of something can, can determine, can change whether it was reasonable or unreasonable. So you need to tell the court why you did something. And finally, this is an objective standard. You can't go into court and say, Your Honor, I was reasonable because I sincerely believed that what I was doing was reasonable. The courts will thank you for that feedback, but they uh, require an objective standard, right? So it's kind of like taking all the facts and circumstances that you had, they put into this objective standard computer, if it spits out that it would do a similar response as you did, then the courts say, okay, that was reasonable. But the key is you want to give that computer as much data as possible. And so the final point here is when you do your report, you want to talk about three uh, factors in the encounter, whether it's a consensual encounter, a uh, Terry stop, a, um, a use of force, and so forth. The first factor is police. Talk about what police did. What did you do? What did your partners do? What resources did you have? What resources did you not have? And so forth. The next factor is suspect. What did the suspect say, do? What was he wearing? If, for example, if it's gang attire, was there any weapons present? What's his criminal history? And so on. And finally, talk about the environment. Where did this encounter take place? Was it at night? Was it in a desolate area? Was it in a high crime? area and so forth you know was it um, were, were there people around you know potential um, uh, uh, confederates for the suspect you want to talk about all those things and laid out for the court the second golden rule is the more serious the crime the more likely the court is going to uphold your actions as reasonable and this this is you know this is very important so for example um, if you are you have reasonable suspicion to stop a person for a suspected um, sexual assault and you pull out your weapon you point your gun at them and you say hey get on the ground and then you know you, you pat them down and you find uh, you know a weapon and, and drugs and so forth and then a the suspect says hey you know when he pointed that gun at me I felt like I was under arrest a reasonable person in those circumstances would feel like I was under arrest and the courts are more likely than not to say nope using pointing a firearm in those circumstances was reasonable because it was a serious offense and so i like to you know basically say that courts are going to bend over backwards to find that your response and, and actions were reasonable when it's a serious offense but if it's a minor offense then they're going to put the whole weight on your shoulders to tell to, to basically convince them to persuade the court why you did what you did and so if you pulled out your firearm and pointed at somebody suspected of stealing a candy bar at Walmart, the courts are going to more likely than not find that that was um, excessive for the situation, 
right? And that was a, a de facto arrest, an arrest in fact, and that you needed probable cause. What's more, they also might find that you, that was excessive force because many courts around the nation today find that pointing a firearm at somebody without good justification is force, you know, and it has to be justified. So that's the second golden rule, right? And finally is, is conduct all warrantless searches and seizures in the same manner as if you had a warrant. And what I mean by this is that when you conduct a warrantless search or seizure, which is 95% of police work, I mean, you know, searches and seizures are, are warrantless, you don't get any extra powers that the court couldn't have given you. And so an example here is if you have probable cause that there's a stolen MacBook Pro in a vehicle and you want to get a warrant, what would the judge tell you, uh, tell you to look for that MacBook Pro? Right? The judge would say you can look in the trunk and, and bags that can contain the, the item. But if you ask the judge, judge, can I, can I look in the eyeglass case? The judge is going to say no. The, the, the MacBook Pro cannot be in an eyeglass case. And so when you're conducting your warrantless search or seizure, you also can't look in the eyeglass case for that stolen MacBook Pro. right? And so that's just the point. So when you're thinking about the scope of your warrantless search or seizure, you want to keep in mind of what the courts would allow you to do. So those are the three golden rules. I, I really hope they helped. If you're interested in more search and seizure training um, and you want me to come out to your agency and teach you and your fellow officers advanced search and seizure, email me at info at bluetogold.com. Also, if you have a search and seizure question, use the same email and ask me your question. I'll make a video just like this. Until next time, be safe.